Welcome to Not Another Runner podcast, a running and health related podcast created by a run of the mill, yes, pun intended, everyday runner. Join me for all things running, health and well-being related, for the highs and lows of life, training and chasing goals. This podcast is designed to keep you motivated and enthusiastic on your journey to health and happiness. Every time I run, I discover something new about me and about life, be it a reason why I run or a discovery of myself. I genuinely find gratitude through running. I am able to stay healthy and fit through the execution of my passion, but furthermore, I am able to achieve peace, presence, growth and discovery. And I love to hear all your stories on how running has changed your lives and what it's brought to you. I want to connect like-minded people through the power of podcast. Hello and welcome back to Not Another Runner podcast. Today I get to introduce to you all another runner, an athlete and a coach who is only, and he'll correct me if I am wrong, 27 years old and has accomplished so much already, including seven-time national finalist, three-time under-23 European trials finalist, and achieving a sub 30 minute in the 10k and sub 15 in the 5k. He is a one-to-one coach of an all boys sport scholarship program and a coach for his own JRT run coach. And he is a motivational speaker. Today's guest is Joshua Trigwell. How are you doing, Josh? You okay? I'm very well, Natalie. How are you doing? Yes, really good. I, I say really good. I, th- I think I do this automatically and I've started um, raising that as a topic on, on this podcast mm-hmm. and with Marcus on his. It's so normal for us to say, yeah, I'm really well, but <laughs> we might not actually be. It's just yeah. like automatic pilot. So yeah. how are you doing really? How are you really doing? I'm doing okay. I think the winter months are definitely coming in thick and fast, aren't they? So um, finishing work with the dark nights approaching very quickly. So it's a bit of a all right, back in winter times, are we? So it, it's making running training wise for myself a little bit more difficult. And I've been kind yeah. of telling my, telling my clients that as well. Look, look, this time of year, it gets a little bit harder. Um, so, but yeah, it's going okay. It's just going to take a little bit of time to readjust. Um, Definitely. Um, but, you know, we'll get there. We'll get through it. And uh, won't be too long. Yeah. So when you're speaking with your athletes then, you know, around centered around training and, and running and getting out the door, what, have you got any top tips that you offer with regards to winter training, especially if it's marathon training? Um, oh, God, loads of tips I give. Um, for me, it's, I mean, I, I know we'll talk, we'll talk more about this uh, later on, but kind of for my clients this time of year, it's trying to sustain that enjoyment factor we're running. Um, it's not kind of making sure you kind of redline your body um, every single day of training this time of year um, because of the cold winter months ahead of us and the wind and the rain and just the dark nights it can really have a, uh, take an emotional um, just having a real effect on the motivation to get out the door and so for my clients we I really try to install them to main, maintain that enjoyment factor with it and so you know kind of going into run itself you know for their steady runs and stuff I always say to them you know do not look at your Garmin and just kind of focus on building into the run very naturally and very slowly. Um, because if you're automatically, you know, within the first five minutes, 10 minutes of your run, and you're already thinking about your pace, thinking about how you feel, thinking about how stiff you feel for maybe the day before session, um, or the miles you might have done last week, and you feel the fatigue in your legs, and you feel how heavy you are, it's just going to kind of create this negative domino effect um, towards the run itself. And so I try to embed this sort of philosophy of my clients that look just, this time of year, it's just sometimes it's just about getting it done. And it's not about how quick you're on it. It's about getting the minutes on your feet, 
because I think a lot of people forget about, you know, they kind of want to go out and say hit eight miles at nine minute mile pace. And that's great, right? But a lot for my, a lot of my clients, we try to hit certain volume. So it's about hitting minutes on our feet. So some of my clients might hit be doing 45 minutes night running. And the sole purpose of that isn't about how quick they're doing it. It's about actually installing, you're getting time on your feet. And that's making the body stronger with the muscles, the bones, the tendons, the ligaments. And it's obviously increasing our capillary, our capillary count, the red blood cell count. And so I'm trying to kind of install the factor, like just getting time on your feet at the moment is probably the most important factor. There are days where we have to work hard. So most of my clients maybe put in three really good efforts in a week, but the rest of their runs, it's very much like time on your feet, enjoy it, you know, forget about splits and mass splits and stuff. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. It's taking me right back, taking me right back to marathon training in um, winter 2018, was it? Yeah, 2018. I'm just thinking about time on feet and, you know, training sessions according to times and time on feet. Yeah, definitely. definitely. Um, I was reading the other day a great top tip for training in the winter, and that is to warm up in your home so that your body, you know, you've got the you've got the blood flowing already mm. and you're already warmed up before you go outside into the cold air. Yeah. What Have you got a training hack that you use for yourself when you head out? Dancing. Really? I dance, yes. I mean, so, so I normally get home from work. So last night's a great example of this. So I got home from work last night at half past five um, and I got in, had a coffee. Then I kind of sat on the sofa for about 15, 20 minutes, closed, shut my eyes and then it was almost like pretty much go time. And so I literally headphones back in my ear and I just start blasting out like the most funkiest music you'll ever hear. <laughs> and it's just me. And I literally start moving around. It's from the Rocky film. I saw it in a Rocky film. And he was yeah. like, I got him to be like, just start moving and start moving. And I just started incorporating it into my own training. And it just helps me get into that kind of feel good mood. Um, and yeah, again, like it is kind of right. It gets the blood flowing a little bit um but kind of gets me into that mindset like ready to work ready to go again because some, sometimes you kind of get out the door just from getting changed like very monotone and then starting your jog it can be a little bit uh but you know if you've been kind of dancing around the house a little bit listen to your best tune shouting them out you kind of go out the door a bit more positive and ready to kind of uh go for the session which for us a lot in the moment me personally is is a good one because our track's closed so last night we spent eight miles running up and down a pitch black road um, which wasn't the most fun, but it's what you have to do sometimes. So dancing is my uh, is my secret tool, I'd say. Um, That's amazing. Yeah, I know. That's really I'm, unexpected I'm, from you, Josh, as well. Yeah, I'm not going to tell you what songs I listen to, but um, yeah, you know, there, there's some definitely some big beats in there for sure. That's so cool. Yeah. I remember someone else telling me that they've got a um, a specific playlist before every marathon. Really. Um, yeah. Yeah. So it's Liz Warner who was trying to run um, thirty marathons before she was thirty, and on different wow. continents, and raising money, and she yeah. did have this massive, massive mission. And she had this specific playlist, and she played, I think it was two songs for every marathon, and that was just to bring it back to all the feels of of those other past experiences, yeah. and that really got her got her going then to to yeah. get get going with her run. There's loads of science behind that as well, like certain like visualization almost, like you know, how, you know how visualization techniques. There's loads of like science to prove actually in research that suggests like listen to certain music if if done on a repetitive basis can have a positive effect on your race um, uh, result. So you know often often I listen to like Red Hot Chili Peppers, Can't Stop, like kind of like that kind of repetitive beat. 
and it kind yeah. of makes me fall back. It's kind of telling my head like, okay, we're going to race mode now. I've never listened to it going to work. I never listened to it on my runs or anything like that. I only listened to that one song for a race situation. So it's almost like a kind of a special sort of like um, ritual almost. So I can see why you're, that person you just mentioned would do those yeah. that, that little playlist. Makes yes. Yeah, it's so true. And like even last night, I saw another thing. Um, um, an elderly lady with Alzheimer's and she was really poorly in, in a wheelchair. And this is in Spain um, and quite unresponsive. And a lot of her memory, memory had gone. But as soon as this song came on and, and because she performed ballet, this song came on at Swan Lake and she you could see her trying to um, just trying to uh, perform her routine. And this is going back from years and years ago when, you know, when she was a dancer, yeah. just a magical thing to see because she, you know, she'd lost all of the memory. Mm. Um, but she remembered that because of the song and what it, what it um, produced in the brain, you know, really, really interesting. Incredible. That is incredible. So if you could just tell us a little bit more about yourself for those who are listening today, how was it that you started running and, and, and where did you go from that first run? Did you enjoy it initially? Um, so I used to be a footballer. So I played for a lot of different football academies from the age of like eight years of age um, and kind of went to secondary school, won a couple of cross-country races, like, you know, against local schools and stuff. And I was told I was pretty good at it, obviously. And went to kind of like some track sessions and absolutely hated running, could not see the point in running in circles and with every lap becoming more and more painful. Um, just didn't make any logical sense to me in any shape or form. Um, and then... You know, I kind of continued just winning races uh, from a young age. And then I started to enjoy the challenge of being beaten by other people. I enjoyed the challenge of running a certain time for a certain distance and then trying to beat it a few weeks later. It's that kind of whole process of like, you know, do a time trial now, train for a few weeks and then do it again. I started to really fall in love with that kind of process of things where it kind of all falls down to my responsibility. You know, it's my fault if I don't go and train. It's my fault if I don't put the work in. Do you know what I mean? It's that kind of that individual responsibility. Um, and so I kind of really fell in love with running, I'd say, at the age of like 17 years of age. So I was quite late getting into the game. You know, most of my competitors started around about 10, 11 years of age. Um, so I was a very, very late starter. So I had kind of a lot of catching up to do. Um, but, you know, I found myself going into like English schools, national championships uh, straight away. Um, you know, I went on to become eight-time Devon County champion across 800, 1500k, 5k, and cross country for like four years running. Um, and so I just realised I've got some sort of talent here, and I should, you know, put it to put it to my best use um, because I'm a massive believer that everyone is beautifully unique at something in life, and it's about you as a person trying to find that. And I feel like for me, running is something that not in a cocky way I just find I find running easier to maybe other people whereas you know you might be you know absolutely incredible at something you know Natalie that I'm terrible mm -hmm. at. does that make sense so yeah, I know colleagues who I work for at work who are incredible teachers and they, they do things that and kind of you know they just gather you know children's attention like with click their fingers and that's a gift I think and that, that's not a skill you can teach anyone and it, that comes with like music or business or other sports or just listen to people. Like everyone is beautifully unique at something. And for me, like I feel like I found my niche in running. Um, and so, yeah, I kind of just, you know, went to went through this process of, you know, um, English schools, junior stuff. And then 
Again, I came to university at St. Mary's in London, Twickenham. And there, you know, I was really found myself in a bubble of just amazing athletes. So I was surrounded by the likes of like Charlie Grice, Andrew Asagi, Ross Murray, um, athletes like this to train with on a daily basis, um, like three times a week. And it was just a real sight to behold. And it kind of really gave me the motivation to really push on with my training. Um, and then it's just been a kind of a gradual progression through the years of just knocking the time down, knocking the times down. Um, and yeah, and right now it's, you know, being a seven-time national finalist and having run against you know the best athletes the country has to offer and being competitive against them um, and being on TV and all these things it just makes it all the worthwhile. My only my only kind of negative thing about running is such as there's just no money in it. Um, you know I still train now and I've got no sponsorship. I've got I have to pay for every part of my kit all the time, and it's that that's just the one thing that kind of nags at me sometimes about running um that there's like a real like you know the one percent of athletes are really well looked after and they do deserve it because they work goddamn hard for what they do achieve but then there's like a pool of us where we're very very close to that sort of level when we go to national championships but we're not supported in any way um and that sometimes annoys me um and my, my housemates obviously tell me to calm down about it but it's just something they kind of i'm very passionate about it you know i feel like when people work so hard for something they should at least get something for it at times um but you know it's just the way the sport is and so and so now yeah so my kind of thoughts going forward for myself and running um I'm kind of looking towards the 5k more now um so the last time I ran a 5k was actually four years ago where I ran 14 minutes 15 seconds my first attempt and I haven't done one since um and obviously during that time I've lowered my 1500 meter time I've lowered my 10k time and so and my 3k time and so I think this winter at the moment, hopefully with COVID, if it passes, put a good winter stint in and then come out next summer and just see what I can, what I can produce. And um, hopefully it'll be you know, really quick. And the big goal is to run obviously sub 14 minutes. So get around about the 1350 mark um, and for 10K get towards the 29 minute sort of barrier. Um, but, you know, it's going to take a bit of time, but I'm sure we'll get there at some point. <laughs> I was going to ask you about that actually when um because yeah. I remember um that that 5k um, PB that you had was a few years ago and yeah. and was that your next step and your next plan was to to gear towards that so I'm glad you've you've answered that yeah. um so you, you were just mentioning that you've you've got housemates and obviously they were they were giving you some advice um I do wonder are your housemates non-runners or are they runners as well they're runners as well so Owen oh, that helps uh, yes Owen Pierce he's a uh, Irish indoor 1500 meter champ um sensational athlete um he's been running you know since a very young age and he's gone on to achieve i think which many people would be happy to retire with um but you know he's 31 years of age and he's running his best times ever um and he's an absolute animal to train with um just every single session you know you can't you can't go to sleep with someone like him in training he'll just put you to bed every single time um but he's made running for me so enjoyable as well so he's definitely a person you want to check out um, he's got a massive personality and he, you know, he's helped me so much in terms of on the track, off the track. Um, and I think I've helped him out as well. But the other housemate, Luke, he's a very well, you know, very well established runner as well. You know, he's run 346 over the 1500 meters. So it's, you know, it's no slow time at all. Uh, but he's kind of just rediscovering himself, rediscovering himself. And he's going to, he's going to slowly getting back into the running game. Um, so, you know, when we're out for running stuff, you know, we're, it's three very good runners. Um, but we're very lucky to have, 
you know, some very good runners around here who live around here. So like a couple of Sundays ago, before lockdown and stuff, you know, our Sunday long run consisted of like myself, Owen, Luke, you know, Jake Whiteman. Yeah. Like him. So like athletes of that caliber all the time. Um, so we're very lucky to be surrounded by such good athletes where on the weekends we can just link up together and just kind of get some hard runs in together, uh, which makes the training somewhat a little bit easier at times. So it's all good. Yeah, I was going to say that. Well, that definitely helps if you if you're living with others who are who are training and have got schedules similar to yours. Mm. Um, yeah, that's that's great. What um, for you? You were saying earlier that you find um, that running is your niche. That you found that you've found your niche, yeah. and that you not that you find it easy, but you find it perhaps easier. Yeah. What would you say is the reason for this? Have you ever questioned why? why running is your niche and why you're able to find that easier like what makes what yeah. um attributes of your personality make up for that um well i think i speak, I speak a lot about this in my posts on instagram and for me i love seeking failure um i feel like i can push myself harder than most people and i don't mean that in a, in a cocky manner at all because obviously their athletes are around quicker than me but in terms of you know being able to push myself I don't find it very hard, Natalie, to kind of push myself to the point where I'm collapsing at the end of a, at the end of a session or a race. I can very easily get to that point. Like I'm, it's, I'm quite well known for like in races in the summer period where I'll finish a race and the next five minutes you'll find me somewhere in a bush, just like, you know, throwing everything up um, or just absolutely collapsing on the floor. So I feel like I just have this ability where I'm just able to get everything out of myself and a little bit more um, quite easy. Uh, and in terms of running itself, just like, I just, I guess in sessions, like I just prepare my mind and body. Like I want to go into every single session and just find my limitations today. And I, and I love finding it. I love trying to find failure because when we, like I said to you, when we find failures, when we find our growth uh, and when we grow, we're upgrading all the time. Um, and I love, and I love just competing against people. Like I train to race. I don't train to train. Um, I think sometimes that there could be a lot of people out there who just enjoy the training concept. And that's absolutely fine. There's nothing wrong with that. But for me, I, I love competing with other people. I like to see what how I compare to others. And I know they can push me in races. I know I can push them. Um, and it's just for me, like, a great laugh. And I think to a certain degree, you've got to be a little bit weird, a little bit, like, a bit of a screw loose to kind of push yourself to, like, that sort of level. Um, but, you know, I'm someone who doesn't want to be normal. I don't want to kind of, like, fit in. I kind of want to be someone who I want to inspire people and be like, look, you have got another level in there and let me show you, you can do it. So like, I like to do it through my actions to prove that you can do it yourself because people create this, a lot of like self create limitations in their heads that they can only go so far. And for me, I try to break through my self limited, um, you know, creations in my head all the goddamn time because I'm a firm believer of that. Um, and so, and so, yeah, to answer your question, I think it's just, I just love putting myself in pain and hurting myself um on, on a daily basis um yeah that's pretty much it to put it simply were you like this when you were younger and you were playing football uh my football days uh while i was a winger so i used to be up and down the pits like yo-yo but i think my first coach my first athletics coach um he spoke to my dad after one of our first couple of sessions and he just said, I've never seen a 15 year old, 16 year old boy be able to just put himself in a box, which means like you know, a pain box um, so easily on, on, and on a consistent basis. 
So I think from an early day, and obviously I put a massive smile on my dad's face. My dad, you know, he's a very physical man and has a phys- very physical job. So he likes to kind of hear that his son's kind of taken on similar sort of like attributes as him. Um, and so it was from a young age that we kind of discovered that, you know, I just had this need to just be able to push myself silly. Um, and even at 27 years of age, I'm still extremely hungry to push myself to that sort of level. Um, and yeah, so I've always been the type of athlete where I've had to, rather than a coach trying to push me out the door to kind of get stuff done, it's always been a case trying to pull me back in. Um, I've always done a little bit too much, which, um, I think if I was, if I was a coach myself, I'd absolutely hate it. I absolutely hate to coach myself. I mean, absolute <laughs> nightmare. Um, so I've, I'm always asking my coach why we're doing this, why we're doing that. Um, and always trying to like, maybe, maybe we should do this, do this. Um, but sometimes I think I just shut up and just let him actually do the training for me, which I do do. Um, but yeah, it's, yeah, I think it's the, it's the ability to hurt. And I've had that, I've been told that all my, all my running career. Um, and in my football days as well, when I was younger, there was one particular game where, um, I was playing for Torquay United in their academy. And I almost, I pretty much ran myself into the floor in a game situation where I had to be pretty much like carried off the pitch. I just ran myself into the floor that much. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's just something I don't find that hard to do, essentially. <clears throat> and was there anyone that like you were inspired by when you were younger? Like, you know, what or who motivates and inspires you? As I know, you attempt to support so many others especially your athletes and other people that you come across and and you become acquainted with you're always offering you know wisdom Mm -hmm. and you know pieces of advice and little gems to take away so I'm just wondering was there someone that really did inspire you Uh, to to go down this path I wouldn't say like like an I never had like an athlete icon as such I think if anyone, if anyone, it's my dad. I have to say and be completely true with you. Obviously, you know, my mum's an incredible woman. You know, I, I love my mum to pieces or whatever. But my dad, he, you know, when I was a kid, you know, by the time I got up, you know, to get have breakfast, he'd be at the door, gone to work. When I would be going to bed, he'd be coming home from work. And I just saw that every single year of my life, from the age of when I can ever remember to the day I left to get to go to university. And so, and he, you know, he's not a young lad, you know, he's 60, 65 now, he's still doing 12 hour days now. Um, he's like, no chance of slowing down anytime soon. And I guess just seeing him every single day, just grinding and hustling for, for myself and my mum, just kind of embedded that sort of, you know, those kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Just that kind of just raw, oh, what's the word? I know, I'm, I'm thinking as well. Yeah, it's like just that like morals I guess like just you know just you know if you put the hard work in son you're going to get a reward from it um and there are times to be smart there are times to train hard and do this and work hard and listen to your body whatever but when it comes down to it son you just got to go down work hard and just you know do it quietly do it silently and just grind and you'll get results you know hard work you always said to me hard work will always pay off son you always said that to me so every Tuesday and Thursday night going to Exeter, where I used to do my local and my local athletics track back then, back home in Devon, he'd be in the car just saying, just work, work hard. So just work hard, just bury yourself tonight. That's all I want from you. You can walk off that track um, and look me in the eye and say, you gave 110%, I'm proud of you. If you, do, if you don't say that, then I'm not. That was his mentality. And I just had that. And I say that to my clients, I give them the same sort of mentality to them. Um, there are days to push hard, but there are days to relax. Um, so I would say... My dad's probably my biggest influencer. 
Um, and he's someone I always want to make. And my mum, my mum, obviously, who I want to make incredibly proud of my running and stuff. And yeah, I think that's it really. But like I said, my dad just wants my dad. I think for me, like my dad doesn't care if I come last in the race. He said, if, if you finish the race and you're, you know, you're throwing your guts up at the end of it, then I'm proud of you. He's always had that, you know, he's not a kind of winning mentality all the time. It's just proving to yourself you can give everything. Um, that's it. Just being honest with yourself, really. Yeah, I love that. And the thing is, that's where you, you know, you can be proud. It doesn't matter. I mean, you know, you hope for the result and the goal that you're aiming for to achieve. But if you have put in all that you possibly can, you put in that 110%, and you can't argue with yourself or anyone else because you gave it your everything. Yeah, well, that's what my mum says. My mum would say to me, what if? Like, do not sit in, you want want to put in the work in now to avoid asking yourself, what if in 10 years from now? And that, and that is another kind of fear factor for me is is ask myself that at 40 years of age because you know right now yeah i could go and party i could go and do all these things and have you know have a you know a good time whatever um but if i was sitting in my armchair or whatever or you know be with my kids or family at 45 years of age and saying to myself well what if i did miss that pie and actually do the session or take my recovery more seriously what could i have done and i think that kind of would give me absolute nightmares um so so yeah that's sort of my, my mentality towards it i guess yeah yeah and this it's remembering that and that it's worth it because i'm sure you make tremendous sacrifices to be able to have achieved what you already have mm. and um with the progress you've had as well in the last 18 months and two years yeah. that you know that comes with sacrifices doesn't it yeah. well i burnt myself out though so 20 2019 uh, i had as an as anemic so i came off like my sub 30 minute 10k time in December 2018 then in February went to the British Champs and ran 8.09 and I had like you know I was against you know all the big boys like Andy Butcher and Chris O'Hare and it was an amazing experience and I was going to the summer season and really kind of prepped well and then my first race just went to I, mean, I can't swear but just went just didn't go well at all and the next race came and went really poor again really poor again and this is after such a great season you know the, the year before and so we went and got tested in July time and my result came back and my coach has said to me, you know, how are you even on the start line with energy is, is you know, completely complete over my head. Um, they, were, they were that low. And so 2019 became an absolute write-off for me, um, which was, it's definitely, it took me a while to kind of trust my body again. Um, but yeah, we finally got there. So yeah, so progression now is looking really, really healthy. And obviously we came back after that COVID stint and we had a, we had a couple of races and I put some good times together. Um, so things are looking better for, for, for next year, obviously. It kind of comes back to, you know, where you said about the, um, you know, the, the lack of like sponsorship or the lack of, um, perhaps kit, et cetera, for those who are not quite sponsored. Um, you know, those athletes also have all of the, um, nutritionists at hand, dietitians, um, all the advice everything is there and sometimes that's another thing that we forget when you are training you know you might have a coach and you might have a team you might have a club on hand to give you the support and advice but you don't have everything and a lot of it comes down to you and things that you're not a professional within you know um areas that you're not professional in such as nutrition and and likewise what happened to you as well Mm, that that can easily easily happen and it's another disadvantage then when you are relying solely on your on training yourself yeah. and doing everything yourself yeah well i mean it's like it's like so i trained uh i trained a lot with nick gulab do you know nick gulab 
Have you heard no. of him before? So Nick, Nick is, I would say, possibly one of the most talented athletes I've ever trained with. And there's been other athletes I've trained with, trained with as well who have just given up and they could have been, you know, absolutely world class, I think. But Nick Gulab's ran silly times. You know, I think mean, he's got the British record of a 5K. I could be wrong. He's ran like 13.27 on the road in Monaco over 5K. Um, so he's no slouch. And he's someone who just, it's just incredible to watch, but just got enough, no sponsorship to show for it. Um, I could get my hand slapped for saying this, but yeah, but he's, he's absolutely sen- a sensational athlete. Um, to watch in training, the way he can push himself and the times he can run and just look so easy doing this, like that is a sight to behold. Um, and I think, you know, he was someone who could have flourished with having a sponsorship or just being looked after better. Um, but yeah, he kind of falls into that kind of pool of athletes where they're just not quite good enough to kind of mm. get into that next level. Um, and I hope he kind of doesn't, you know, hear this if he did and just, you know, be like, God damn it, Trick Will. But, um, yeah. but you know, he's a, a super, superb athlete and a great guy as well. Um, and yeah, but I know he's, he's yeah, I, know, I know he's training at the moment and I know he might be able to kind of prove some people wrong next summer, which I really mm. hope he does. Yeah. <clears throat> now, you always come across to me as someone who's like really positive, really grounded. Um, like you seem calm and just like everything's going okay. But is there ever times where you're not quite as positive as your normal self or or rather how is it you keep yourself feeling positive? <laughs> uh, no, all the time. I've got, I got a lot of self-doubt. Um, now bad things in my life happen to me which aren't nice um, and things happening now which aren't nice at times. But I think you have to kind of, you, you have to find a silver lining with things in life. Um, and you know, you've got two options in life. You can sink or swim. Um, and and unfortunately some people decide to sink and there's nothing weak about that in sinking. Um, but you know, there are certain people who I think, you know, if they had someone to talk to, if they had someone they could rely on better, then, you know, possibly they'd be in a better place. Um, and for me, yeah, you know, I, I have my doubts all the time. Like, you know, I come across very positive. I come across as like, you know, I want to, I've got to push myself in training, but I go through the same self doubts. I go through the same insecurities that everyone else feels. And sometimes behind closed doors, yeah, I'm not the happiest guy in the world. Um, for me, that's part of life. I'm 27 years of age. I'm at a point where, you know, it, it, it can be at times a bit scary. You know, you kind of, you know, I've got some mates who are getting married and having kids and stuff. And I'm a single man who's, you know, just kind of really, I mean, I'm really enjoying life at the moment and training's going well and the coaching's going well, but I still got, you know, little things in the back of my head that kind of niggle away at me at times. Um, but like I said, you know, everyone's, I think the biggest thing for me, Natalie, is that everyone's going through something. I remember I had a really good friend who worked in the gym once and I'm going to swear. Is that okay if I swear? At the yeah, you, you can yeah. swear. Yeah, the one thing he referenced to me and he, and I, I went to the gym once for a session and you know, he said, oh, mate, how are you doing and stuff? And I said, I'm not too bad, man. I said, why are you always so positive? And he said to me, he goes, mate, because everyone's got some shit going on in their life. So if I can bring a little bit of happiness to them, then that's that's good for me. And I just it kind of hit home with me so hard that at the time I was going through a bit of like difficult time as well. And it just made me realize that every single person who we're speaking to is dealing with some sort of demons in their heads. Um, and they will hide it by putting a smile on their face on the exter- uh, to the, exter- uh, the external world. Um, my only thing is that, and it's getting better with mental health. It is getting better. It's getting more highlighted. But it, I feel like people are still 
hiding behind this wall. And and I do it at times as well, but I'm quite a character where I like to kind of wear my heart on my sleeve. So I will be very open with people and say, like, like I'm struggling right now. Or I just need, like, I just need someone to talk to. At times I can be a little bit too honest with people, um, which makes me feel a little bit awkward. But I know I was brought up to be just like that all the time. Um, so... Yeah, like, you know, I've stuffed out. I have insecurities. Um, and I think that that links well to running as well in terms of, you know, if someone, if you take someone like Kip Choyu, who's around, you know, one hour, 59 minutes for a marathon, and someone who's around three hours in the marathon, those two people are still going through the same thought process, at, you know, all the time. You know, Kip Choyu is definitely having self-doubt at some point uh, and having, like, insecure, insecure moments. And so is a person three hours. You know, it doesn't, running a fast time makes me no different to anything anyone else if anything that person who's on a four-hour marathon is probably more mentally stronger i'd say than the quicker athletes because they have to spend more time on their feet you know some might disagree with that but you know spend four hours on your feet running and trying to get through it that is a that is a bloody commitment um i'm kind of going off on a tangent here but yeah i think you know i have my insecurities i have my self-doubts um but i just choose to battle them every single day and in the post i did most recently i spoke about when I met with a negative thought, when I met with um, sort of like a day where I'm feeling a bit negative, I'll just be like, right, I'll kind of break myself away from that from that thought and just be like, right, let's go to battle, baby. Let's see what you can bring me. And just kind of look at it as a way in which you bring me now all you can give me. Like how much negativity can you bring to my head right now? And I think a lot of people in this world right now, Natalie, decide to kind of swallow it up and kind of just bury it and, you know, over lots of different things which I think, to, and I'm not a therapist, so don't take my advice as a professional. But for me, what's worked for me over the years is actually I'll literally be with that thought and just allow that thought to be as loud as it possibly wants and just let it be and like shout as much as it wants. It can be as aggressive as much as it wants in my head. And then by the time it's finished and tired, I'll be like, right, is that all you got? Is that all you've got? And that's sort of my mentality towards negative thinking and stuff. And so, and then on top of that kind of brings that positive reinforce it back into it because you know if that's all that negative thought can bring to me then i'm all right i'm okay um and if it's still affecting me when the first person i'm always going to talk to is my mum, and i've got no embarrassment in saying that because my mum is you know my my best friend in lots of ways and so i can always go to about anything um and so yeah but that's how i approach a lot of my kind of mental mental health things towards things i don't try to bury anything if i got if i got something going on in my life i want to meet it face on and attack it full on and just be as aggressive as that thought is does that make sense yeah totally yeah. and i was do you know what comes to mind though is is how um i mean i can relate and agree with so much that you've said yeah. um the, the number one of like wearing your heart on your sleeve and then sometimes being too open for your own good that you are almost feel embarrassed then afterwards because i mean you you're open and honest you don't mind but sometimes you think oh maybe they minded what you said yeah. and it's like a, a really really funny territory to be in mm. now for you you seem so incredibly emotionally intelligent <laughs> i just wonder is there someone in your life that has perhaps taught you a lot when it comes to mindset and coping with emotions um no not really uh a lot of it's off my own back i'd say going through certain experiences in my life mm. um yeah, I've just gone for. I just you know I'm not I'm not going to like sit here and like you know, you know get people to me like sympathetic at all. But I think I've gone through some experiences and I think it's just it's taught me to deal with certain emotions. 
Um, and there's a great quote I read once about often the people who, you know, are very um, sympathetic with others and are very thought, thoughtful towards when people, when other people are going through difficult situations, those who can actually sit down and just talk and listen to people are actually people who have gone through some of the worst stuff because they know how that person must be feeling. Does that make sense? Yeah. So like, I feel like that's why, you know, Mike's, and I'm grateful I've gone through what I've gone through. And I've hurt people in the past as well. Like, I'm not an angel here. I've hurt people. I know I have. Um, I'm not Mr. Perfect here at all. I've made mistakes and, I, and I've learned from my mistakes. Um, but I feel like now, and that's why I'm using Instagram as a platform. I don't use it for my personal life and fact that I'm not here for that. And Instagram, I could go off from another conversation about for another hour about it and how I think it's so bad for everyone in lots of ways. But I try yeah. to use it as a platform in which I'm just completely open with people and I'll try to help people as much as I possibly can in running terms or just in mental health. Um, but oh, what was your question? I've completely gone off again. I always do this. No, you've. to be fair, um, it was a question on whether or not there was someone that had taught you. Um, oh, yeah. you know, because of your emotional intelligence and like what you've gone through, I wondered whether there was a you know, a, um, a figure in your life that had yeah. taught you that, but you answered it really well in that you said, um, you know, based on some of the difficult circumstances and situations that you've been through, it has taught you a lot. And I, again, I can relate massively with that. Yeah. I think when you go through a difficult time, it's like what you said earlier. I'm just trying to remember what, what, <laughs> what the words were. Um, it's a bit like our failures or even our, um catastrophes if you want to call it that or really really bad events we learn so much from it yeah. more so than the happy positive oh, successes absolutely yeah absolutely and then you know what the only thing the only thing with the mind is that the mind often will fall back on some of the bad stuff in your life here you know the happy yeah. memories are great and i hate the way the mind ticks like that but you know you'll yeah. work sometimes or maybe have a bit alone time going for a run and your mind just flip back flash back to a bad memory you're like why is it doing that for yeah, uh, and I think it's it's a bad thing to have, but at the same time, it's like if you can control the mind and actually be like, okay, we're going back to and kind of be present with that sort of mindset. But like, okay, we're going back to a bad memory. Okay, but let's let's feel those feelings and let's just kind of uh, feel them, be present with them, and then let it di- let it just digest naturally. So I think again, falling back on my comment about I've gone through experience in my life that have taught me that emotional intelligence is because I've never. T- I've never decided to bury stuff. You know, I've never decided to go, oh, no, I can't do this right now. I'm going to bury it. I'm going to like put, press it down, right down through my chest, into my stomach, and just leave it there. Every single time, like falling back on what I said about 10 minutes ago, just goddamn face it, you know, head on, and just be like, all right, what you got to bring me today? Because eventually, Natalie, it's going to come up in your head at some point anyway. It could be in bed, it could be the first thing in the morning. And that feeling, first time in the, mo- first time in the morning, sometimes you wake up full of anxiety, negative stuff in your head. It's the worst feeling ever. And sometimes that's because people are just pressing down on, you know, certain stuff and uh, don't want to deal with it. And and sometimes the hard truth in life is, look, you just got to goddamn deal with things and just meet it head on. And I know it's hard. I know it's a bit scary to deal with. But if you can do that, you're taking the first steps towards actually creating a better you for the future or more, not better, but more happier, more content you for the future. And that's what, and that's what I believe in. Yeah, love that. Yeah. Do you listen to any podcasts at all? Uh, no, I don't. No, no podcasts. That's that surprises me. Yeah. Um, yeah, I would put you as listening, listening to quite a few things. Yeah. Do, do you do much reading, Josh? Uh, used to, used to a lot of reading. Um, 
can't start I can't stand reading novels. Never never read a novel in my life. No. Uh I've read quite a few autobiographies. Um so I think my first like major one, it's gonna sound bad, but it was like when I was like fifteen, I ran read, read uh Steve Prefontaine. Not its autobiography, like the biography. Uh, mm-hmm. who is Steve Prefontaine? No. Oh, should I know? You should definitely I, should. definitely I think some of your listeners would be like, oh Steve Prefontaine, legend. He was just this twenty-four-year-old. Uh, well, twenty-four-year-old man. He was uh, an incredible high school runner who just kind of um, front ran all the time. Had just had this guts to steal. Like one of his most famous quotes was, um, "Someone may beat me, but they have to bleed to do it." That sort of mentality, just like, oh my god, like this guy is just unbelievable. Yeah. Um, he broke like all the American records, and but then um, died in a car crash at twenty-four years of age. Um, so he was like, and I think for most athletes, uh, at my age especially, he's like a real icon. And I know he's a massive icon in America for like younger athletes because he just embedded this this cool mentality of like, you know, working hard and training hard and racing hard. It's actually really cool. Um, so he was probably like one of my first books I sort of read and kind of fell in love with running because of him in lots of ways. Um, but then other books has been like Alex Ferguson books. Um, trying to think really, just mainly just kind of books where we're able to like grab, grab information out of it. Um, there's a book I read recently, Atomic Habits is a good book I'd recommend for you to read. I've heard uh, of that one. Yeah, that's a very good book by James Clear. There's that book on the monkey paradox, if I said it right. Yeah. It's a very good book. Um, so I like to read books where I'm able to possibly take some of their principles and apply to my own, uh, which I feel can benefit. So I definitely resemble that uh, the monkey paradox talks about you, know, you, have, you have this monkey, which is your emotional thinking, and your computer, which is your logical thinking. Um, so it's about kind of separating those two thinking thoughts, um, which is really interesting. So you know, you, you know, when someone gets in, when someone goes for a fight, for example, if someone was to attack you, that's their monkey kind of reacting to something, not their logic, not, they're not thinking logically. Um, so that's a really cool book to read if you want to kind of just kind of um, that that was the um, the chimp paradox, isn't that's it? Well, yeah, not monkey. That's <laughs> the one with it. No, but it and it explains about the monkey because I remember yeah. um, being I've been told to read this I don't know how many times and I still so, haven't got round to reading it. Yeah, yeah, so good, it's such. A I good need book. to. And then other books like I've read like Sapiens and all those sort of books, which is just more like factual sort of information, really. So yeah, yeah. Yeah, I would have put you as put as listening to um like podcasts, like motivational ones or self developmental, based on on you know how how you speak and yeah. you know your mindset especially. Yeah. Yeah. But obviously, reading those books is that makes sense that if you've mm. read those and that's that's how you've you approach mm. now things. Mm. Mm. Um, what would you say is your reason for running? Your hashtag why I run. I do ask most guests this question. Hashtag why I run. Um, to inspire others and to push my limitations the fullest. Um, I think it's very important for my own self to reach my limitations. How far can I push my body physically before it breaks down, essentially? How far can I push myself mentally before mentally I'm just uh, just overheated, essentially? Um, for me, that's very, very important to know I've got the most out of myself. Um, because you know, when you die, you shouldn't. You should. Your body shouldn't be in perfect form, looking great and healthy. Your body should be bruised up, beaten up, um, and just kind of just used up in loads of ways. So that's sort of my, like my granddad was like that. You know, just you know, he used to be a builder. So he was just like, you know, make sure you're beaten up, you're bruised up, you use your body really, really well. Um, so you know, you, you've had a good life essentially. 
And so I kind of take that approach into running. Like, you know, I found my niche, like I said, like I said earlier, and my niche is to push my body to the absolute limit physically and mentally and make sure it's completely bruised up and used up and just, yeah, that, that sort of way of looking at it really. And what, um, you know, what goals have you set yourself? Like when you think of the future, yeah. I used to ask, where do you see yourself in five years time? I don't ask that now. What I, what I want to ask is what are your hopes, goals and dreams for the future? Running wise, it's uh Commonwealth Games, um, you know, and depending on how next year goes and stuff like world champs and obviously the far off goal is just the, just to make the Olympics. Um, I know like there could be a few people, you know, looking at my times and thinking, well, he's got a, you know, a bit far to go. Um, but considering the last two years have been a bit rough for me with, you know, my anemia and stuff like that, and the iron deficiency, it kind of really put it on hold my progression, but you know, we're really back on, I'm back on track now. So, I don't want to rule those those things out. But, you know, I think for me, it's, I mean, if the online coaching was to kind of become like a full-time job, that would be amazing. But I think for me, it's trying to incorporate a job where I'm just inspiring people and able to motivate people. Um, if that's public speaking or, you know, doing stuff like this on a more continue, on a more frequent basis with people, just being able to become someone who, when people are going through difficult times in their life, they can, you know, click my name on and just listen and feel one million times better after. Um, and if they were to get in touch with me, I'd be able to change their life. Because to me, giving is just, I would say, one of the most incredible feelings ever. Seeing my clients run personal bests, seeing my clients give me feedback saying, I love today's run, or I'm really enjoying the program, Josh, it is the best feeling ever. Seeing when I work with children, score good test results or seeing a child when that kind of light bulb switches on in like maths or English and they get something. It's just an incredible feeling for me to see them get it. And I've, I've helped them get to that point. Um, so I think that really kind of hits home with me um, in lots and lots of ways. So it's trying to use my running as inspiration and motivation for others and also to give what I've learned from my own personal experience to help others um, in lots and lots of ways. So I think that's why I want to see myself in five years' time from now, just doing this, but on a more bigger basis, and frequent basis. Mm-hmm. Love that answer. That's like so many different parts to that answer, but I love yeah. that. Yeah. Um, and I, do you know what? I don't have any doubts that you you can go on to achieve all that you you do want to with the, you know, with the determination, motivation, and mindset that you've got, yeah. and the passion. Like you've got all the right elements there, f- like for wanting to achieve what you want to achieve. Yeah. Um, and it's often mindset that that you know fails us sometimes when we are aspiring to a goal or a dream. Yeah. We need that mindset there. We need to be able to believe that we can achieve the yeah. the goal. Otherwise we're going to waste a lot of time absolutely. in the ifs and buts before we start the hard work. Absolutely. Absolutely. If, um, if you could tell your former self, like think back years ago, perhaps maybe when you, you know, went through some difficult times or perhaps when you were a lot younger, um, before you'd found your niche and everything that lights you up, what would you tell your former or younger self? God, that's a good question. That's a great question. Um, what I tell my former younger self, keep hustling, champ. Keep grinding. Um, I never, uh, yeah, just keep keep working away. Don't listen, don't listen to people who who are not not as good as you. Um, just do your thing. Just do just do you. Focus on yourself. Don't let others. Don't let what other people are saying to you bother you. Don't let 
you know, people will try to bring you down when you're, you know, you're on a high vibration and you're doing well on yourself. You're trying to push yourself. Um, you know, I was 15 years of age doing like 35 to an hour runs on a Friday night after school and stuff. And I had no problem doing it while my mates were out playing football or going to a party and stuff. Uh, that was just me in a nutshell. Um, it's a really good question. I don't look back at myself and have any regrets, Natalie, to be honest with you. Like, That's good. I think, you know, if, from the age of 15, I'll be like, I remember I'll be, so like my mum would go shopping and stuff like food shopping or whatever. And, normal kid might go you know go and play xbox or play fifa or whatever i remember just sitting when i got hooked on running completely i'll be sat in my room just like writing programs out for myself on like back of envelopes or back of receipts or like just find those like scrap paper and just writing programs out and be like oh maybe i'll do this one this week, maybe I'll do that one and i was so hooked on trying to find the best possible way to to get the most out of myself from the age of like 15 16 years of age and that kind of fell back on when I was a footballer as well. I'd be doing, I'd be making up sessions for myself football-wise to like improve my first touch or do this, do that. So I've always been someone just been looking to upgrade all the goddamn time. So when I look back at my past and trying to ask myself for myself, I'd just be like, yeah, keep doing your thing. Keep grinding, keep hustling. Like that's just me in a nutshell. And I, and I haven't slowed down ever since. Um, some people, I do come across a bit too intense um, at times. But often those people who say that aren't sportive people. They aren't people who have goals in life. They're very much just very content with who they are. And that's that. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas I'm someone who likes to be with people who want to upgrade or they go through a difficult situation and want to, you know, just be better for themselves. That's what I can relate to really well. So my younger self, yeah, keep keep doing what you're doing, I think is the best answer. That's a that's a great answer. And I think the final bit that you said there as well is so important. It's so true. Um you know, remembering to, 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 you know, keep going and do you and also to not listen to others and their criticism. Um, and also if people are thinking you're intense, like you nailed it, like you, what you said was so true saying, um, that's normally people who don't have a goal mm. or perhaps don't understand like what it is to have a drive. Yeah. And it's so true. I've come across that before where people like question what I'm doing online or, you know, want to give their advice or opinion and it normally comes from a place where they don't have a, a bigger goal than working the nine to five there's or nothing wrong in that there's doing nothing the wrong. and there is and there, yeah. there is absolutely nothing wrong yeah. but if you're questioning someone who's got a goal mm. you need to really understand what it's like to have that incredible goal that drives you yeah. like every hour of the day yeah literally absolutely yeah 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 it's mad <laughs> and that's where you know that's where we're we're all different and that's that that is mm. why we are all unique absolutely absolutely um so you obviously coach um quite a few athletes and they span from different ages mm-hmm. so if anyone was listening to this now and perhaps wanted to know a little bit more about your coaching program or what it is you offer could you tell us a little bit about that uh Yeah, so first things first, um, for me, the two biggest words I use with all my clients is honesty and transparency. Um, And what I mean by those two things is when someone comes onto my program, they have to be completely upfront with me. Um, Because as as an online coach, I can't see them running themselves. And so when it comes to feedback on their sessions, for me to provide the best service for them, they have to give me as much feedback as possible. Um, to give them to optimize their training and so I can kind of put together and tailor make their training so they are getting the most out of themselves 
because you know this is me falling back on years and years of you know reading and research and i know for a fact that when i put a plan together for someone it is going to be the best training plan that they can they can have and that's absolutely i can say 100 percent, and I, I have that much confidence because every single, every single client of mine is around a personal best from a mile all the way to a marathon distance because and I've had this before with other clients and there are some fantastic online coaches out there, you know, Lloyd Kempson's with the Team Project Run, you know, the Purge of Performance. These are really, really good platforms with really good online coaching platforms, right? And they are providing fantastic service to a lot of people, which is amazing because we all have the same philosophy. We have the same belief in that we just want to help people because we're experienced in doing it ourselves and we know we can offer a great service to people, right? But when it comes to like my program, I just know for a fact that you know, I have maybe a different philosophy to other coaches. So I kind of fall back on flow and consistency, which you probably heard a lot of me ramble on about on my stories and stuff. And there's a real kind of belief behind that. You know, with flow, it's all about kind of, okay, so hear me out. So flow consistency, right? So there's a lot, too many amateur athletes, I feel. So someone listens to this who's not doesn't have a coach as such there's a lot of these athletes kind of run too hard every single day and they eventually kind of go to burnout or they plateau in their training and they go to a race and they're like, well, I haven't run a personal best today. And I don't understand why I've done you know, a couple of mile, mile reps here, I've done a couple of 200 meter reps here. I should, be, I should be around to go. What a lot of people do is they just train too hard on, on a consistent basis. But then when someone's got so, sort of a good plan together, they do their hard days hard, but their easy days are too hard as well. And it kind of fall into this gray zone in your training. So, for example, Natalie, say for you, so imagine your threshold um, is, say, a six-minute mile. So your threshold pace is six-minute mile pace. And your recovery pace, so when you're trying to recover from that, that hard session, is eight-minute mile pace. My philosophy is, if you go out the next day after a hard session and you're running seven-minute mile pace for your recovery run, you're not recovering. And you're not actually gaining any fitness from it as well. You're falling into this gray zone area. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. sense. You're kind of, kind of falling into this gray zone area. So you're not actually getting any fitter because the next day you've got another hard session, but you're not recovered from your steady run because you've gone out too hard. And so it's really important that you kind of fall into this, this, this kind of like easy day, hard day. Now with my clients, I really embed this philosophy into their training and so i have clients on some days they'll do hard day easy day hard day easy day other clients fall into uh, a set where they're doing hard day easy day easy day hard day so it's a real mix of different training um and everyone's getting kind of a different stimulus um in terms of flow of my athletes i never tell them to give 10 out of 10 in the hard workouts because i tell them to say their 10 out of 10, 10 out of 10 efforts for races or time trials um the reason for that is because i tried to create this sort of mentality that they want to give more but they can't so i'm always like pulling them back all the time and so what this gives them is that kind of eager and kind of just this want to kind of be unleashed um on that time chart on that race day but in terms of like my coaching philosophy around that and what i offer i talk to my clients every single day so from the morning i wake up i'm on my on whatsapp chatting to them ask how they're feeling Every single day I ask them, how are you feeling today? How are you feeling mentally? How are you feeling physically? That is so important. If you're an online coach and not asking these sort of questions on a daily basis, you shouldn't be on an online coach, in my in my point of view. Because you're trying to look after someone who is undergoing, I'd say, one of the hardest sports out there. Because running's hard. Like running is a seriously hard sport. And people underestimate that, I think, in lots of ways. 
Like it's hard sometimes to go out for an hour run when you've done a hard session the day before. It's hard. And so it's so important. And I'm always readjusting everyone's training pretty much every single day to work with their family life, to work with their work life, to work on how they're feeling physically. And so I put all of that into place um, to make sure they are getting the most out of their training. And so when it comes to race day, when it comes to the time trial day, they are in the best shape of their life. And I take goddamn passion in that. And I goddamn put so much commitment into that because I'm providing the best service to ensure that they are getting the most out of themselves. And when they go and run a personal best, that then creates this domino effect of it inspires possibly their wife or their partner or their husband, or whatever. It inspires their children if they have children. It inspires their friends, their family to then get running, which then has an impact on mental health because if more people are running, Natalie, then people are improving their mental health because I felt a little bit stressed tonight after work, went out for an hour run and I feel good about myself. So I got that endorphin release and that serotonin release, right? And so that's the impact I'm trying to make on people um, on my online coaching. A lot of other online running coaches set generic training programs, I've noticed. For me, it's all individualized to the actual athlete. Um, it's so important. Some athletes work well in minutes, some athletes work well in miles, or some athletes work in kilometers. Some athletes in, uh, work really well off doing mile reps. Others like to work off minutes and stuff like that. So it's really important you get to know the athlete on a real personal level um, and take care of them. Um, and so for me, that's just vitally, vitally important. Um, and so for me, you know, on the program, we really build kind of a real relationship um, and we get to really know one another. And I think for me, like it's it then makes my life easier in, in terms of, getting someone's gone, gone on their private life that, that may have suggest they're having a bad session or a bad week in their training. And so it becomes a real kind of um, day-to-day thing, uh, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that makes total sense. And I was thinking earlier, you must be so busy, mm. um, especially if you're providing a service like that and you've got your, you know, you're teaching as well and the other job, the other side of it, yeah. the one-to-one. Yeah, but it's not, um, it's not work for me though. It's, it's honestly not work for me. I wake up I wake up in the morning and just love what I do. Like, I, lo- I love being able to, I love knowing that I'm providing a service to people that they're getting the most out of themselves and they're loving it. Yeah. Um, I think yeah. providing it, it's not, I don't, like for me, it's not about money. It's not about like trying to outdo anyone or whatever. For me, it's actually like providing a service based off my own experiences and my coaching pedigree and just be able to give the best service to people. Yeah, I charge a, a bit amount for it. Yeah. But God damn, you get, you get what, you know, get your money's worth more, mm-hmm. more than that because, you know, it's, yeah, it speaks for itself. Come on the program, it'll speak for itself. You know what I mean? <laughs> um for you I was just wondering now because I know you don't see it as work but obviously you know when you wake up and you're on your phone and then you're you know you're rewriting or writing new plans and then looking at your own stuff and Mm -hmm. what you need to do and then your other job as well what is your go-to like to switch off mm-hmm. where you're not think you're not exercising you're not and obviously we we all get a switch off from running and I know that and that's why I miss it so much because I don't get it mm-hmm. at the moment um but when you're not running you're not training you're not coaching mm-hmm. um what is your other go-to where you set aside time for you so that you can take time away from like laptop mobile and being on your feet it's uh, <laughs> a really good question um, I don't, I don't know how to answer that really. Um, I mean, if, if it was non-COVID at the moment, um, I, you know, I love love to do like little trips away in Europe. 
So going away for like a weekend and stuff. I mean, I still like, you know, I'll switch off from training a little bit. So like I'll plan in advance normally, like do four weeks of high training. And then for like one weekend, I'll do like just 30 minute jogs, but we'll go to somewhere like Rome or Prague or something like that. Just do something completely like out of, my, out of this environment, out of the stressful environment. Well, not stressful, but just out of this environment and just kind of just have a few beers, have a good night out, eat good food and just have a good time. Do you know what I mean? That's kind of my way to switch off about things. Uh, yeah. Other stuff just be, you know, linking up with friends, really, and just having a coffee or having a few beers. Like, I'm a normal guy. Like, I like to drink. I do like drinking beers. Like, I'm not, I'm not this, like, superhuman. Um, obviously, yeah, I date and stuff, which is all right. But, you know, like, for me, Natalie, like, I'm at a point in my life where I want to keep upgrading and keep pursuing something in my life all the time. Um, and so I know you say switch off from coaching and all this sort of stuff. But for me, like when i have to write a program out for someone no i'll put i never listen to i put on like um like uh, cinematic music like han zimmer and stuff like yes that. i love hans zimmer yeah, but, so literally, I'll, I'll literally put in my ear put my airpods on han zimmer you know no lyrics or anything because for me putting a program together once i have all the information with the athletes you know their all their personal best and the most recent ones and it's all there for me to see it's almost like creating like an art for me. It's, it's creating a, a painting with four weeks of training for them. So I'm literally mm-hmm. putting together a program which is going to optimize them, their fitness levels. And so for me, it's a way to switch off because I just enjoy it that much where I'm just able to, yeah, it's like, it's like putting a painting together in lots of ways for me. It is a piece of art, what I'm, what I'm trying to put together for this person. Uh, and that gives me a really good feeling. And when it's done, I'm like, right, ready to go. Here we go. And the sent to them. It's all done via training peaks. And then, then they have a look at it and then we just talk about it a little bit if they need to. Um, so I think lots of ways that's my kind of switch off um, from the world at the moment. But like I said, you know, going away, you know, just kind of sometimes just getting out of this, get, getting out of the London environment is good for me. Um, and so, yeah, so normal switch off would be just linking up with friends or just going abroad for a weekend or so um, and just chilling out. <clears throat> I agree with the hands and putting that on when yeah. you're doing Can't... some work. I used to put that on to do my dissertation and do like work at uni. Yeah, yeah. It really does work. So Hans Hans and well, Thomas Newman, he's another good one. He's very good. If you want to link if you want to check check, yeah, Thomas check Newman, he's very good. I'm obsessed with his song American Beauty at the moment. It's just a really good piano piece. Yeah. That's not I I old, old man saying that. But, uh, yeah <laughs> what did you say you sound like an old man saying yeah yeah yeah, yeah. a little bit of Thomas Newman, a bit of piano yeah lovely or was it yeah. Ludovicio Uendi as well is that, is that how you say his name do you know him Ludovicio say that again oh yes yeah, Lud- Ludovicio yeah I've definitely said that wrong yeah. Yeah, yeah that's good yeah the Italian isn't yeah. it let me just get his I know who you're on about he's unreal to listen to they do say though um listening to like music like that like thematic cinematic music mm. classical music um even if it is like uh what was i listening to the other day like um it was like a uh, what was it like a pop jazzy type music where there's no lyrics so that you can really focus on the task at hand like cafe um that's re- yeah cafe jazz sort of music yeah that's Love quite that. cool Love that. um but yeah it does because otherwise you get you get distracted by the lyrics yeah yeah definitely Um, so yeah that is good what would you say are the three best tips you'd give to anyone listening right now if they're lacking in motivation and they're just about to start like a new 
block of training like what advice would you give to them they might be rusty they haven't run much you know during lockdown during these times of covid and perhaps their diet's not been very great what what sort of advice would you give them to like start fresh and tackle a new block of training uh firstly touch upon getting a casino watch so they're about 10 pounds you're switching completely off from looking at your garmin watch looking at mile splits looking at um how you're feeling I think a lot of people are obsessed of looking at, you know, the scientific approach of running these days with Strava. Um, so even now with me, I, I on my steady days, I just wear a casino watch and just run to minutes. Um, the reason why is because of that, if you fall back onto kind of a therapeutic run. Now, what I mean by therapeutic is you become more present in the moment of actually just running in the flow of things. Um, so you're not thinking about the pace. You're not thinking about your heart rate you're not thinking about what Strava is going to think about you or people are going to think about your splits um you're falling back on just being present in the moment of running and you're falling back on the enjoyment factor of things that is vitally important in sustaining a long kind of career in athletics and so trying to find that kind of flow state is going to be really important in kind of building that consistency always in the first couple of weeks three weeks of training it's always going to be very very hard because in training because you're you know you're a cold engine you you know you might have been asleep for a while and so it takes a while to kind of get the engine going again allow it to come warm but once it's purring once you've got a bit momentum behind you say through to training it does become easier um and i think that's a really important factor to kind of remember that in the initial couple of weeks of training that once you get going once you've put good two weeks behind you it's going to start finding your flow and you're going to start to find you know get a little bit more fitter and stuff um Listening to the body is vitally, vitally important. So, you know, in my kind of day starting out again on the grind, I literally do run, rest, run, rest, run, rest. And so I kind of, at least I'm feeling fresh in my runs. Um, and you kind of want to create this itchiness to get out, to go for a run. So with a lot of my clients, after four weeks of really high training, they might have a little bit of a down week. So they will recover. And I've had, you know, clients say, well, I want to keep going. I'm, I'm, in a, such a, I'm so fit that I want to keep going. Well, actually, no, you kind of want to rest up a little bit. You want to kind of create this feeling of, I want to get out the door. I want to go run right now. I'm desperate to go out for a run. So you kind of want to have that sort of level of motivation, um, which kind of falls back on running terms. Like you want to kind of, it, you know, if you're, if you're starting out running and stuff after a long break off, you want to run to a point where you're really, really enjoying yourself and then cut it short. Because what you're doing then is you're you're going back home and you're thinking, well, I, I, at the end of that run, I felt absolutely amazing. I felt great. I want to feel that again. And so that's where you go then the next day. If you get back into training, you're smashing out 10-mile runs. At the end of it, you're just, you know, bent over, huffing and puffing. And you're just like, that was, you know, I thought that was, I was really working hard on that run. You know, that's not going to exactly increase your motivation for the following day, is it? So you want to kind of create this feeling of you want to go for a run and finish it feeling, huh. I really, really enjoyed that. I want to. I want. I could do. I could do some more, but I'm going to save myself for tomorrow or the following day after. Does that make sense? Mm. So for me, that's that's really important. Um, and just not doing sessions to start with, just kind of building upon just steady runs, fitness wise, like two or three weeks before you even consider consider uh, attacking a session of some sort. <clears throat> that's probably a great piece of advice. That one about like stopping before 
you've like run too much like where are you still feeling good and where you're you're still hungry for more mm-hmm. i kind of like the, the I, I like compare that to the the really really big recovery runs in the build-up mm-hmm. when you're building up because you're running so easy so slow yeah you almost want to keep going because your your legs have only just properly like shaken off yeah. and you're like oh I, I could go for i could go for miles and miles yeah, yeah, um definitely. but then you're ready then for your session when yeah. that comes up because running is all about consistency and i think people you know again people want to smash out sessions and smash out runs but in the end if you keep trying to get that sort of level all the time where you're trying to give 10 out of 10 all the single time you may think you're giving 10 out of 10 but you're not you're giving like five out of 10 physically and also physiologically as well it's just not possible to give 10 out of 10 and so, yeah, doing your runs to the point where you're really, really enjoying it, your enjoyment factor is at optimal levels, just cut it short there, stop. If you, if you, if you're like, you know, if you're in the beginning phase of a training and you've got, say, two or three reps to go, just stop there. You're like, I've had a great session so far, I'm going to cut it now. Because it's just going to increase that feeling of I really enjoy it and it's going to leave your mind thinking I want to do more all the time. So that's just, for me, like vitally, vitally important in terms of creating that kind of long, consistent training um, for yourself. Yeah, makes makes so much sense. Um, if um, you had to live by a quote, what would it be? If I had to live by a quote, what would it be? It's really good. That's quite hard. If you haven't if you haven't pre thought of this, it's quite hard yeah, to think on the spot. I haven't. Um, uh, I haven't really got a, a quote I can really think of. But for me, like if it, if there was a quote like it, would be just find failure. If there was a quote similar to that, uh, find a failure. That's that's interesting, and that goes back back to what we were saying earlier, doesn't it? Yeah, I think like some sometimes like you know failure is where you find your most growth, something like that, because it's so true. Yeah. On some levels, people yeah. you know people just are always looking to become number one or searching to become a winner or always looking for that personal best, and they forget yeah. the process. And when they're met with failure a lot of people sink and they are consumed with that feeling of not feeling good enough, not feeling as if they're worthy enough, not feeling as if, you know, they're feeling embarrassed going to the next training session. You know, if you met me after I've lost a race, I'll be gutted and like, you know, cursing at myself. But in the midst of it, I'll be happy. I'll be like, all right, well, I've got a point to prove now to people. And when you've got a point to prove to people, you are very, very dangerous, very, very dangerous. Um, so yeah, it'd be something like that on the lines of, you know, find a failure stuff like that um so i was listening to a podcast the other day and that this is why i'm thinking of it because of what you've just said so matthew you know the actor matthew mcconaughey yeah or however you say his surname i'm just realizing that i really don't know how to say his surname um he's yeah he's amazing he's been on so many podcasts recently like like literally every podcast i'm subscribed to his name has been there um and you often find this when they're obviously trying to promote something and he's yeah. brought out his own book. Okay. Um, and it's really interesting. And I think it was called green light. All right. Um, okay. It might be, I'll have to double check that, but I know there was part of when, when I was listening to the podcast I was listening to last night, he was saying about how he purposely put red lights in his way. So he would go out of his way to challenge himself mm. every day or every week, every year, yeah. because he knew that that was where he would grow more yeah. by putting those obstacles in his journey and in his path of what he wanted to achieve. And I remember thinking, God, that's so interesting. Yeah. And he's he's an interesting man. You'll have to mm. um, check that out. I'll send you some of the podcasts I was listening yeah, yeah. to so you can Definitely. see those. 
Um, but yeah, that's exactly what I was thinking of when you were just saying about the failure. Yeah, but I think it's also like you know when I when I'm coaching kids on a one-to-one basis, you know, these kids uh, they range from sixteen, some of them, and the youngest is nine. And from the very beginning, I say to them, look, you know, sometimes this training is going to hurt, and it's about becoming uncomfortable. It's about becoming comfortable in being uncom- uncomfortable. Do you know what I mean? So it's about kind of being comfortable in a stressful situation um, because life isn't like this, you know, like Disney sort of vibe. It, it, you know, sometimes life's going to throw some shit at you and it's going to be difficult. And me teaching you at this age now to become comfortable with being uncomfortable is going to help you in so many ways later in life. Um, so for me, yeah, the whole red light thing about Matt McConaughey is, is hits home very, very well with that. Mm. Yeah, that's, yeah. Very interesting. Um, Finally then, Josh, could you just tell us who you would love to hear on this podcast? Oh, what have some people said in the past? Oh my God, we've had so many. Preferably alive so that I could actually maybe one day in the future contact them. Um, We've had loads actually. We've had like your everyday runners who are in their own club. Um, Runners Heel have been mentioned, running with Mr. Jones, Paula Radcliffe, um, Elliot Kipchoge. Yeah, yeah, lots of people really. Um, I, I have been faced with some impossible tasks of people who are no longer with us. Uh, I can imagine. <laughs> you never know. Yeah, yeah. Maybe on the other side. Yeah, uh, I just, I just know it's, it's one of those questions where tonight I'll be in bed and be like, oh, I should have said him or should have said her. Yeah. No. Well, do you know what? I can add that in later when I, yeah. uh, when I, um, when I put in an intro. <laughs> uh, okay, I probably have to say my housemate to start with, so Owen. Uh, yeah. Just because he's Irish, a bit of a madman. Um, he's got he's got some funny story to tell you. He's full of chat. Um, someone like you know, someone like Ross Murray. I think you know him being the twenty yeah. year, and you know he reached such great heights in that athletic career, and he's he's just doing really well for himself at the moment. Um, God, who else? <sighs> such a good question, you know. Uh, I think that's it for now, really. Um, that's a, that's if you a, think if you think of another one, let me know and I'll pop it yeah, in. That's almost a horrible question, Natalie. Do you know that? It's almost a horrible. Yeah, question. it's impossible, isn't yeah. it? Because you I, can't I guess Steve name Steve Prefontaine if he was alive today, he would have been unreal. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, but yeah. He's on that, isn't it? Isn't part of like his story on the Free to Run film? Am I right in thinking that? I'm not sure. I'm not sure. He has a film about him though called Without Limits, which. It's a very good film. Uh, maybe, that. maybe that's the one I've watched. I've, yeah. I've watched quite a few. There's quite a lot on Prime, isn't there, running films? Mm, there is, yeah. Yeah, it is on there. Yeah, it is on there. It is. Yeah, without yeah. It's on, it is on Prime. Yeah, you're right. Maybe that was the one I watched a few years ago. I'll have to go back and check. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes you like, I, um, what's the word? Like literally read and listen to so many things mm. that all the podcasts, all the interviews, all the books just kind of become one yeah. and you forget who was on what. Yeah, yeah. Overload of information. Um, thank you so much, Josh, for um, sitting down and being able to chat and catch up for this podcast. I really, really appreciate your time because I know you're busy. Um, but it's been great to catch up and hear more about your story. So thank you so much for your time. And I'm sure we'll speak soon. Um, just let the listeners know where they can go to find you online if they do want to connect and just have a have a chat with you. Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram. So it's at JRT Run Coach. Um, and on there has all my email and website link um, in the bio. So it's all there for you to look at. 
um, if you're ever interested and want to have a little chat. Perfect. Thank you so much. And we'll speak soon, Josh. No worries. Take care. Take care, Natalie. Cheers. Bye-bye. Thank you guys so much for joining today and listening to Not Another Runner podcast. Please tell your friends and family who you think would enjoy the content I'll be sharing. Don't forget you can get in touch with me over on Instagram via Not Another Runner. Let me know your thoughts on the podcast, any suggestions on guests or topics. This is greatly appreciated. Send me your questions through as well if you want and use the hashtag why I run to be featured. And hey, if you can hit subscribe to the podcast, this will really help me to be able to give you more. Thank you again. And remember when you get up and exercise or go for a run, you never regret going, but you always regret not going. Have a great week, guys, and speak soon.